You're listening to KRCB-FM Windsor, Santa Rosa, on air and online at krcb.org. You can find us at 91.1 and 90.9. Catch us on Comcast channels 961 and 202. It's 10 o'clock, and it's time for Percussion Discussion. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to KRCB-FM and this edition of Percussion Discussion. My name is Jim Laveroni, and this is a show that focuses on drummers, percussionists, and all the instruments of rhythm that move every genre of music along. Tonight is a very special night, as I will be playing a pre-recorded interview with an exceptionally talented man who recently celebrated a huge success. This gentleman's name is Mike Dolbear, and I'll be honored to tell you just a little bit more about him. Mike has been a professional drummer for over 30 years, having studied with some of the greatest teachers, including Kenny Clark, Max Abrams, and Bob Armstrong. He has worked in a variety of musical situations, including studio, TV, musical theater, and backing cabaret cover bands. After ending a 10-year residence at the Talk of London... Mike set up his teaching studio in North London, teaching and helping many professional students and teachers. Mike consults for a couple of major record labels and management companies, various TV stations coordinating drum features for the BBC, CBBC, and ITV. In 2000, Mike wrote the tutor book, Rhythm and Fills, which is now one of the biggest selling drum tutor books in Europe. But he has yet found the time to write book number two, which is still in manuscript. So besides all that about Mike Dolbear, listen to this. In October 2011, Mike was asked to coordinate, audition, and teach the 1,000 drummers for the London Olympics 2012 opening ceremony. 
an experience that he says was one of the highlights of his career, to be sure. To coordinate that number of drummers and play on what is reported to be the biggest TV audience of all time was a true honor and one that I will never forget, says Mike. So I've broken down this interview into sections, and after each section, I'm going to play a variety of songs with the drummer being a highlighted UK drummer as listed on Mike's webpage, which, by the way, is www.mikedolbear.com. I encourage you to visit this site, and it is vast and informative for any information related to drumming. It's all right there. The history of the UK drummers highlighted is taken right from Mike's website. So the first ones that you're going to hear uh, after this first section with Mike uh, is Rick Lee, an exciting and explosive drummer. Lee found fame with 10 years after and played at the legendary Woodstock Festival in 1969. One of the inspirations for Spinal Tap, Lee helped show a certain John Henry Bonham how he was playing triplets after a gig at Middle Earth in Covent Garden. Still playing and retaining a refreshing enthusiasm about drumming and music, Lee and 10 years after now are enjoying cult status and regularly tour Europe. The second song that you're going to hear, the drummer, is Clem Catini, one of the drumming world's elder statesmen best known for his session work and his remarkable timekeeping. Catini has played on more UK number ones hits than any other drummer. His impressive CV also includes membership of the Tornadoes, whose groundbreaking Telstar was the first single to top the U.S. charts. Clem has worked with rock and pop royalty from Tom Jones to Roy Orbison, the Walker Brothers to Dusty Springfield, was also a Wombie, and was the man who turned down Led Zeppelin. And finally, after uh, Mike's first portion of his interview, the third song is going to be the drummer is going to be Brian Bennett, perhaps best known as the Shadows Sticksman. Brian was a teenage prodigy who took his love for jazz and big band and helped shape it into the new world rock and roll. A true innovator, Bennett played for some of the top names in music before settling into the Shadows chair. Bennett is also a talented and award-winning composer behind many TV and movie themes and incidental music. So we're going to start with Mike Dolbear. I encourage you to listen. It is pre-recorded, so we don't actually, unfortunately, have him in the studio. But I think he's going to answer all the questions that you have, especially about the 2012 Olympics. But we're going to start off with some basic questions about him and his webpage. So thank you for tuning in to Percussion Discussion. Sit back and enjoy. You've had the website, MikeDolbear.com, in place now since November of 2000. Has it been successful, and have you accomplished what you wanted it to accomplish in terms of bringing the drumming community together, not just in the U.K., but from all over the world? Yeah, okay, Um, excellent, excellent start. Um, Yeah, um, first of all, I never had a plan with the website. Um, I've always been a drummer, a working drummer, all my life. Um, I've had a successful career. Um, and to be honest, I just felt that um, I wanted something more for the drumming community. I felt that the media 
was covering one aspect of the industry and wasn't covering um, all the other aspects. It was almost like if you if you were in a successful band and you were touring, then that's great. But if you weren't, you'd failed, which obviously is not what the music industry is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the music industry is, uh, is is the art. It's about you know expressing yourself in any forms, and so. I started the website with a, a business, my business partner, uh, my original business partner, who was ex- actually one of my ex-students, drum students, um, and it was just a little statement, really, to say, look, you know, there's a lot more to um, the music industry than just that, you know, being in a successful band. Um, so I never had any plans. Um, it, to be honest, if I'd known that the site would have got to the size that it got, has got to, I would have never put my name across the top. <laughs> Um, for various reasons. Um, so, um, yes, it, it certainly achieved. It certainly um, brought the community of drumming all the way, all the way around the world um, together. And have you been happy with the response from the industry manufacturers and distributors? Yes, um, I have because I think that they they realised that. Um, what I was trying to achieve. Those that have got to know me know that um, it, I've always, I've always. For example, I um, I try to get the younger musicians involved in the industry. I run a major competition in the UK called Young Drum of the Year, which is for 16 and under. And I think they, the industry, appreciated that I was trying to get youngsters involved in the industry because if they don't get involved, then we, none of us have got a future. Um, so yeah, the industry have always been really supportive of the site. Um, and uh, I've never wanted anything from the industry. I think that's another uh, thing. I never have gone to the industry to, to with my hand held out asking for anything from the industry. Um, so maybe uh, that's been a good sign. So they've always supported me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, let's not beat about because 12 years ago when I first set up, the web, site, web industry was not like it is now. Um, obviously, there's now a lot of... Uh, drumming uh, websites out there things have changed but at the time I was it was pretty unique I was one of the first ones to do it and I haven't stuck I mean all I've done is I've got more people working for me uh, on the website as the site's got bigger I've brought in more people but I haven't changed my ethos of um, what I want out of the site the uh, the core team on the site includes other drummers and teachers. And so I'm kind of interested in what the criteria is for becoming part of the staff on your Internet site. Yeah, I think putting up with me, that's the biggest <laughs> one. Um, no, seriously. Um, they need to, they know, I needed, for example, an editor. I, I, would, I was no good at being an editor of a website. Um, so I needed an editor. So Simon, who's my editor... Um, he's a drummer, he's a working drummer, he's a professional player, um, but he also understands what I want out of the site, you know, um, what I'm looking for. For example, in an interview, um, we will be looking at um, educational questions, um, not so much on what product do you play, but, you know, what what inspires you. You know, the good thing about drummers are, as a community are, all drummers stick together more than any other in, any other musicians in the world. Um, so they do sit around tables and discuss, you know, their favourite drummers, or did you just hear this record, or do you? And and I wanted that as part of my uh, the website. And so everyone that works for me and on the site has all got knows that they know what to ask. They know when they ask questions, what they're looking for. 
Um, and there's always a strong message through the site, and that's basically education. It's about trying to get more and more people playing the drums um, and meeting up in wherever, California or, or London, and everybody's got one thing in mind, um, and that's you know drums, which, like I said before, if you, if you meet up with a group of drummers, they're all like good buddies and, and, and best friends, mm-hmm. unlike any other musical instrument. Um, and I, and I, like, I want that to be seen through the website. Do you have time for anything else? I mean, it sounds like it, look, it's the, the, the website is huge and it has so many portals in terms of education and frequently asked questions and contacting us. Do you have time for anything else? Do you, are you still playing in yeah, the that, studio? My or? website's a part-time. Um, I teach at least 40 hours a week. I'm very fortunate that I teach some of the best drummers around in the UK um, and, and in the world and they come to me for lessons and that's that's my main thing um i wrote a book 12 years ago a drum tutor book which has become very successful certainly in europe called um, rhythm and feels which i've now just turned into an app that's going to be launched later on in the year um i'm still playing as well i try to play at least um at least once a week in various bands um, but obviously, uh, with my uh, with the website, it takes me away. So it's very difficult now to sort of keep band members always happy. Um, and obviously, anything else that comes along, I uh, I also get involved in those, as we will discuss in a minute. Um, so yes, I do. Um, I, I think it's important as well. I really need to be holding a pair of drumsticks and playing because that's what I do. That's 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 my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, after all these years of playing for thirty years, get a lot of passion you know, of playing with other musicians and even teaching the level that I teach at, I, I I get a big buzz out of that. I think if I just had the website, it wouldn't be enough for me. I'd need to do other stuff as well.
Good evening. I'm Alfred Hitchcock, a big fan of Sonoma County, but I don't have a shadow of a doubt why I'm here, since I'm technically dead. All I know is that I've got 60 seconds to whip you into a frenzy of support for public radio. Without public radio, every day would be for the birds, and many of us would simply go psycho. Public radio is like a rear window on the world, a lifeboat on a sea of suspicion. Let me tell you, the man who knew too much knew too much because he listened to public radio. And during KRCB's fall pledge drive, becoming a member doesn't require 39 steps, just one. Visit krcb.org and click on the button marked Donate. Well, back to the family plot for me. But you should probably stay here and support public radio today. And we're asking for your support for KRCB and public radio uh, for our pledge drive coming up. And our new pledge number is 1-800-882-6427. That's 800-882-6427. And uh, we'll be talking about our pledge drive in upcoming shows. And that is coming just right around the corner. Or you can go to our website, www.krcb.org. And click on the button that says Donate. And uh, we encourage you to go to that uh, website anyway. Check us out. Check out this show. Check out the rest of the shows. There are so many available that you can look at. Roots. Um, let's see. We've got uh, we've got Lady Spins the Blues. We've got Holy Cow. We've got On the Road Again. We've got Bill Freighter's show, Freight Train Boogie. We've got all kinds of music and all kinds of things on there. So uh, make sure that you check out our website. Continuing with this show, we are playing a pre-recorded interview with the man who auditioned, trained, and coordinated the 1,000 drummers for the opening of the 2012 London Olympics, Mike Dolbear. Very, very interesting conversation with Mike and a very, very nice man. Uh, just uh, extremely, extremely nice uh, individual and uh I would love, love to meet him, hopefully, when he comes to California. So we're going to continue with the interview, and this is really going to get into the meat of the matter, this next uh, section here, talking about the Olympics. Uh, Before we do, after this section, we're going to play some more music, and uh, we're going to play uh, three tunes. And uh, here are the drummers that are going to be uh, featured. Bobby Graham provided the drum beat behind two of the most famous rock riffs of all time. He was there at the dawn of Britpop playing drums on The Kinks. Breakthrough singles, You Really Got Me, and All Day, and All of the Night. And I would, I'm would i not going to tell you which one I'm going to play. And it speaks volumes that Ray Davis, a lyrical and musical powerhouse of The Kinks, called on Graham 40 years later for a, quote, fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants session, which included a re- reworking of You Really Got Me. Magical Moments in Musical History. The next tune is going to have Ian Pace, who needs no introduction. He's a powerhouse that has for 40 years propelled deep purple with a deep sense of groove, power, swing, and swagger. He remains the only man to have played in all the lineups since the band's inception. He spawned a whole generation of rock drummers with his speed, his control, and knowing when to leave space. His career has also taken in the multi-platinum Whitesnake outfit and funky offshoots such as Pace, Ashton, Lord. He continues to mesmerize audiences, 
but it is is his lengthy recording legacy that is astonishing. And the third one on the list is Kevin Godley, who was a true innovator with 10CC, enjoying tinkering with sounds in the studio as much as playing drums, as much a lead vocalist, composer, and avant-garde technological whiz kid. God, Godley's self-confessed simplistic approach to drums and drumming belies his technique and his feel. So this next section that we're going to play with Mike Dolbear is really, really interesting. I invite you to give a listen all about the Olympics. In October of 2011, you were asked to coordinate, audition, and teach the 1,000 drummers for the London Olympics 2012 opening ceremony. So I'm wondering who approached you. And if you could tell yep. our listeners about the process and what it meant to you personally. Well, Danny Boyle, the Grammy-winning, um, Oscar-winning uh, producer, it was his show. He was the producer of the opening ceremony of the Olympics. And for those that don't know, Danny Boyle is a huge music fan and a very, very knowledgeable uh, music fan. You know, when I talk to him about his music, he, he really does know know his stuff. Um and Danny Boyle, when he was first approached by the organisers, the owners of, of the Olympics, or London Olympics, to do this, um, said right at the beginning that he wanted a 1,000 drummers to be part of the Olympics, and he wanted them to be all the way through the Olympics, and so not just in one spot, but to be a major part throughout the Olympics. So um, he didn't know how he was going to do it. He didn't know um, how he was going to do the auditions or anything. He just wanted a 1,000 drummers. So then um, word went out to uh, that this is what was going to happen, and uh, a, a, a friend of mine and a very good session drummer in the UK called Ralph Salmons, um, who's played on the Harry Potter movies and the James Bond movies, and uh, he was approached by the musical director of the Olympics um, to come in, and he sat down and had two meetings, and they told him what he wanted, and he realised pretty early on that it was much bigger than he would be able to cope with. Um, and so he put my name forward. Um, and so they approached me. And, of course, when you get a call like that, um, there was it, it, there was no way I was going to say no to it. Um, so this would have been in October or November last year. The biggest problem was everything was top secret. Um, so I went down um, and I met up with people and I just... You know, for everything I've talked about before, about the website and my enthusiasm about drumming, to have a thousand drummers performing at the, you know, the opening ceremony of, of the Olympics um, was just, that, that was a dream gig. Um, so I got involved. Um, it, was a, it, was, it was a tough process. I mean, we basically, all the thousand drummers were volunteers. Um, so they were giving up their time. Um, and we auditioned about... 3,000 volunteers to find just over 1,000 drummers. And our ratio was about 60% drummers and 40% people that had never played the drums before. Really? Um, we did around eight days of auditioning. Um, and it was very particular. I knew, we knew very early on what we, what we needed. We knew that they had to move. We knew that they were acting apart. But we also knew that he had to play the drums. And so the next issue we had was that the drummers may come along and they may technically be very, very good, but they just couldn't move because any kit players don't need to move and be coordinated. 
So we decided, or I decided pretty early on, that um, we needed to have people that had a good sense of rhythm, that couldn't play the drums, that we could teach, but then we needed a good, strong balance of people that could play the drums, but maybe couldn't move, and between the two, they could work together and form what we had. Um, and so that, that went all the way back to, to October. The auditions finished around February this year. And Danny was very involved throughout. Um, you know, we knew pretty much what... I mean, he never got involved in telling us what to do, but he was there all the time, and he was very excited, um, you know, seeing the drummers. Um, and we did a process of we were auditioning 100 drummers at once, all standing in zones. Um, the team that helped us on all of this were the people that Lowcock, who had done the last, you know, the four or five Olympics. So they've been through this process before. And they basically, they used to just march in 100 people, put them on, on numbers, and we used to go through a process of auditioning. And I had um, 21 drum captains, which were professional drummers, that would help me mark up. I'd go through um, patterns, and they had to sing patterns or play patterns, and the captains would mark them up. Um, do you want me to continue into up to the the fight uh, up to the performance? Absolutely, or? absolutely, yeah. Okay, so um, so originally my job changed because originally my job was to um, come in with Ralph, help and teach and coordinate the thousand drummers. My job got more and more advanced because um, Ralph became sort of dropped out. He went out on, out on tour, and so they came to me and said, look, we really need you to, to take over this and take control. Um, the musical director was a, a guy called Rick Smith, who is from Underworld, did all the music for the opening ceremony. He was very involved, so we were working really close together. Um, we'd seen an animation of what Danny wanted to say. Okay, so we'd seen an animation of what Danny Boyle had wanted. He'd showed us what we wanted, so we knew right at the beginning that we were going to have towers and it was going to be part of the Industrial Revolution and they were going to have to act. Um, he'd also told us pretty early on that he wanted them to use bucket. He wanted us to use the buckets um, because of the, the look of them. Mm -hmm. So um, we, that gave us a couple of issues. The first issue we had was um, to get the buckets to sound like drums um, because we've been in the stadium. Um, if they were all buckets, then the sound, the sonic sound wasn't right. So basically, I came up with this idea of getting the big the big buckets, the big bass bins in. Um, but instead of hitting them with drumsticks, we found that the tone was too too uh, high. Um, we, um, I came up with this design of putting tennis balls on the end of drumsticks. Um, Danny loved the look of them. And for us, sonically, it gave us the bottom end. It gave us the, the, the big, deep sound that we needed. Right. Um, and then we needed a high pitch sound. So then we went for metal buckets. We put rivets into the metal buckets, and uh, we played them with uh, like a multi rod. So it was like um, almost like um, uh, a twine that we used instead of a drumstick. So again, it gave us a different tone. And then all the buckets that we used, we had rubber discs put, uh, put on top of the drums on the buckets, so they gave us two different tones. Um, we then needed the correct harnesses because you couldn't just put buckets on string and, or rope and hang around people's necks right. um, because um, 
you know, it would be they, we were doing ten hour rehearsals. It just wouldn't have worked. So we um, we worked on harnesses. We went. We looked at. We worked on marching band harnesses. Um, and I've got to say that one of the great things about this gig were well, lots of great things. But one of the great things was working with the kind of people that I worked with. So the props department, who had worked with um, Danny Boyle on movies and films before. I could go along and say, yeah, this isn't working and I need these buckets to be 10 inches away from their stomach so they're in a good playing position. And they could go away and they'd make something and come back and go, right, what do you think of that? And it was just incredible. So you um, had all these resources at your at your disposal. Yeah, yeah, it really was amazing. I mean, you know, uh, and I mean, it was... Danny, obviously, all the time, it was a visual thing, but we needed to make sure sonically right. that it sounded right. And the stadium was a big big void that we needed to fill sound wise um and that was that was pretty much the way it went we started when we got our thousand drummers or we we actually went we had 1200 drummers because we knew we'd um we'd lose some on the way um we'd um we started rehearsing them in groups of four so we had 250 at a time um for at least three weeks and then we went to the thousand which i've got to say was pretty amazing and the way that we did the whole thing was um everybody had in-ears so everyone had a, a, a pack and they had in-ears so they could hear i could talk to them on a radio mic i used to call it my madonna mic and i could talk to them on a mic and they could hear me in their ears so when we were rehearsing a thousand people i could talk to them and they could hear what they were they were meant to be doing wow and for the drummers out there the um we we brought in a, a third member a gentleman called paul clavis who again is very well known in the UK um, and does a lot. Does he's probably been on more films than any other drummer or percussionist in the world. And we brought him in for his knowledge of of percussion and percussion sounds. Um, and so when we decided what the drummers were going to play for the 17 minute piece that was going to be played, um, we came up with some vocalizations. So instead of teaching them 17 minutes, which they would have never remembered, we taught them five instructions. So the five instructions were, we used to, we, the first one was called a rumble, and the rumble would just be a drum roll, a continuous drum roll. Um, so that was the first one that we did. Um, the second one we called a bosh, and a bosh was just when they hit the drum singly. Um, and then we had a bosh and a hoy, which is where they hit the drum and they shouted on their voice, hoy. And then the fun one was we had this groove that was called groove one, and it was it went play the drum so your mum can see you on TV. Play the drum so your mum can see you on TV. So if anybody watches the um, the rhythms that they were playing, that's what they played. So they would actually go play the drum so your mum can see you on TV. Play the drum so your mum can see you on TV. <laughs> and then the final groove that we taught them was a groove called I'm in need of a drink, which is just seven notes. So instead of teaching them the notes. We decided to teach them those vocalizations. So in their ear, even on the night, what was happening would be they'd have a click, they could hear the music, because obviously they're in the stadium, and we would tell them what to play. So they'd rumble, and then we'd go, and the click would be playing, and they'd continue rumbling, we'd go, right, everybody now, we're going to go into a bosh, here we go, one, two, three, four, and everybody would bosh. Wow. So for the 17 minutes, they didn't have to worry about structure, they didn't have to worry about anything except these patterns that we taught them, which had gone over a period of three or four months. So by the time we got to the 
the actual night, they knew what to play. And then somebody else would actually be telling them on the night when to move, when to move down the steps, when to go out onto the stage. And the whole of the opening ceremony, the Olympics, everybody, I think there was 11,000 volunteers, and everybody was on on a separate um, channel, and they had an in-ear going on in them. Um, and that's, that's basically how we did the night. Um, and I've got to say, I, I, I don't know um, how much your listeners uh, saw, because I do hear, I heard that in America they've had, where your commercial breaks came in, bits of um, been cut. But uh, in the stadium, it was unbelievable. A thousand drummers playing. Um, you know, the emotions of that opening section was 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 pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so that's basically how we did it. That's that's exactly what we did. But then they then they continued to play. Is that right? Then they continued to play because somebody on your website said that uh, I saw. When a, something in the forum that said that they played for two hours and their arms were killing them, but it was a great, yeah. it was just yeah. a great well, experience. Well, that's that. I mean, obviously, every um, Olympic has the athletes parade, um, and the athletes parade. Um, I mean, this is all stuff that I learned. This is skills that I never had before, obviously, and I learned as we went on. Um, but the athletes parade. The problem we had with the athletes parade was Danny again wanted the drummers to be a big part of it for various reasons. Number one, he wanted um, the drummers to um, be driving the beat in the in the stadium. He wanted that, you know, the big um, beat going on. Everyone, all the athletes would come out, and it was great for them. They could move, and they could. Second of all, you needed to move the athletes along because otherwise, we could still be sitting there now, waiting for the athletes to come round. So as they came out, they needed to be, you know, moved along A to B. Get out the ca- once the cameras had finished, they carried on and re- carried on walking around the stadium. But they needed to be moved, so they had we had um, three hundred drummers, um, and the problem we had was even on the night we didn't know how many athletes were going to turn up for each country because if they were competing the next day, so we never knew. So that meant that we didn't know how long the piece of music was going to be for those countries. So we couldn't rehearse um, a particular structure. So my job. Actually, after we finished what we called the Industrial Revolution, my job then was to uh, run up to the control room, which was just behind the Queen. Um, so I was bird's eye view, looking down on the uh, on the athletes and all the drummers, and I had to tell the drummers live in their ears what to play, which hand to use, and what to play. Um, and like I said, we didn't know, or I didn't know how long that piece of music was going to be. So I I had to. So instead of having like a three and a half minute song and then another three. It could be a two-minute song or a piece of music, and then it could go into a 45-second piece of music, and the, the beats would change slightly. Um, because it was very particular that when you're dealing with um, a lot of different countries, there's some music you can't play for particular countries that might find it offensive. Um, there's other music that you need to drive it along, because you know, it's getting to a stage where maybe people were getting bored. or So you needed to keep, keep the momentum going. So, yeah... The, the drummers played for um, an hour and 45 minutes for the athletes' parade, and I would literally just be telling them in their ears what to play. Um, the skill that I think I had to learn mainly for that job was always thinking at least four bars before I, w- I wanted them to play, because I'd have them playing, and while, while they were playing along, you know, whatever they would be playing, maybe they were hitting the two and the four, 
um, I'd have to be saying to them, right, okay, the next thing we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to change it and we're going to play the one, two, three, four, and one, two. And so I'd sing the rhythm in their ears, and then I'd say, right, here we go. I'm going to count you in, and we're all going to change. One, two, three, four, and then all the drummers change. So when you watch it on telly, um, it's quite amazing that when they all change, that's I, I'm telling them in their ears what to play. So I had a bit of fun with them as well, because obviously... Um, <laughs> It was a long time they were playing, so I, I said a few funny things to them in their ears and told them a few jokes, and uh, there's a few smiley faces. But um, <laughs> it was the only way we could do that. Um, and I didn't actually, again, I, initially I wasn't going to be doing that job. I came in um, two weeks before to change that because the drumming section for the Athletes Parade wasn't really working, and so they asked me to come in and, and help them sort that section out, which is what I did. So, yeah, they've got to be the fittest drummers in the world, I think, after playing on on buckets for um, for the whole duration of uh, the Olympics. Absolutely. Now, were there uh, drummers from just Europe or all over the world? Uh, performing on the night? Um, yeah. Well, it's quite interesting because originally it was just... The, because all the volunt- each volunteer, it worked out each volunteer uh, had to do hundred about 150 hours of rehearsals. So they were rehearsing probably twice a week so they needed to be around they needed to be you know be able to get to london to do the rehearsals because a lot of the rehearsals were in the stadium as well um so we had a lot of lot of um people that used to travel all over the uk and it was incredible speaking to some of them and you know how much effort they went to coming down but as i as we got further on and i sort of got to know a few more of the uh, volunteers um i think we had you know a Quite a large percentage, I think the whole of, certainly the whole whole of Europe was covered. But I know for a fact that we had a girl there from Australia. Um, I know we had an American there. Um, and when I would say to them, wow, you know, how's that work? And they went, well, you know, we saw it and we came over for six months and we got a visa over and we, you know, so it, there was a big, you know, it was almost like we had a little joke that we used to say, right, where are you from? Oh, we're representing Germany or we're representing Australia. Um, so there was a, a small percentage of people that had, had come from all over the world just because, you know, they really wanted to be part of this Olympics. Um, bizarrely enough, I spoke to one person I remember that had done, um, had been a marshal involved in the Beijing Olympics as well, and they were just such a fan that they'd come over um, and they happened to turn up and they, were, um, they, they got through the drumming part and they were one of the drummers. On, on this Olympics as well. So, yes, they, they, they travel to do it. And any last-minute problems uh, that you can reveal, like problems with costumes or problems with sickness or problems with not knowing what to do? Or No, to be honest with you, no. Um, it's actually, that's, a, that's a question that I get asked a lot. Um, people were asking me what Danny Boyle was like on the day, and, and it, I think that everything was well rehearsed. We'd done, um, we'd done three... Uh, dress rehearsals in the stadium um the first one we did for around fifteen thousand people the second one we did for around twenty five thousand people and then on the wednesday we did a full an eighty thousand people rehearsal in the stadium uh, a full rehearsal what we had was um we'd all all the people that had got involved and all the volunteers were given a uh, two free tickets to bring their family in um so the big pressure, I think, for everyone was probably on the Wednesday. So by the time we got to the Friday night for the actual rehearsal, uh, sorry, for the actual show, 
everything was in place. And going back to the reason why we taught the drummers the way we did was because if there was ever going to be any problems, if when in our section, the Industrial Revolution, if one of the towers hadn't gone up or it was pouring with rain, because obviously it was in London and it always rains, or something had happened, we could actually, we had the uh, ability within our, our, the way we taught everybody, that we could add an extra eight bars or an extra 16 bars. Mm. Um, so, but on the night, everything won't run perfectly um, perfect. I mean, there was, there was, there was no um, hitches at all. I mean, I, I, I was quite amazed really um but we were ready if there was we you know if something could happen we we were ready to happen but there was no uh, i think the only um the only little nugget that my um my children actually quite liked was that um on the actual i i when i used to do the athletes parade like i said it was an hour and 45 minutes so i would run from what we called the bell stage which is where i was performing for the first section and I'd run up, we had a back way, and I had all these security passes, obviously, to get through because the Queen and everyone had been there. So my routine would be to run up the stairs, get through the section, and there was a toilet outside the um, production, produ- uh, sorry, outside the uh, control room. Um, and uh, so I'd, I, obviously I was about to work for an hour and 45 minutes, so I'd run into the toilet, go to the toilet, get myself a drink, go into the control room, sit down, start the athletes parade for an hour and 45 minutes on the actual night of the show i came running up went to go to the toilet the toilet was locked and there was a security guard there and i said excuse me i said is there someone in there and they said i'm sorry but that toilet is now reserved for the queen so um you're not allowed to use it so um that's the that's the only drama we had really uh, the queen was using my toilet you know um which my children quite like that <laughs> so how long did it take you to come down from this? Did you sleep in the next day? Did you <laughs> did you take a vacation for a week or a week? Well, it's it's quite funny because a lot of people said, you know, what was the party like after the show? And the bottom line was there wasn't one um, because this was the start of the Olympics. And although um, Danny Danny Boyle's team was quite small, it was probably ten of us maybe that was involved in just the opening ceremony. Um, and so for everybody else involved in the Olympics, they had just started. This was the start of the Olympics. Um, for us, we just finished. That was the end of it. Um, so at the end of the night, it was very surreal because um, we finished. Um, I, um, I had a photo as they were about to start because the stadium needed to be ready for the athletes the next day. In fact, it, they started the athletes on the Sunday. So we did the closing on the Friday, uh, the opening on the Friday. Saturday was trying to get the stadium back, but the the contractors were in, ready to start ripping it to pieces. So I had a photo next to the cauldron quickly before it got destroyed, um, and then I got on the last last tube home because you know there was there was no sort of parties or any major um, things going on, and I came home and it was very strange, sort of walking back to my house thinking, wow, I've just been involved in such a big show and. If I walked up to somebody in the street and told them, they wouldn't believe me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was pretty much um, back the next day. I, I mean, I, I watched it on telly because obviously I hadn't seen it. I watched it on telly. Um, it's the first time I'd watched it, and uh, yeah, there was there was no. Vote. I was actually five days later recording thirty five videos for my app. So um, the only thing I will say is that a lot of the, the media in the UK. Um, I think they were so blown away with 
what to expect. I don't think the UK was ready for it. They didn't know what they were going to get. Um, and I think that it took everyone by surprise. It was. Um, we have a, you know, a very uh, negative media in the UK and the newspapers had all you know, been saying bad things about what this was going to happen. And I think it surprised everybody how special it was. And, and you know, Danny Boyle's a, a genius and you know, to sit down and create that was just incredible. Um, and so I, I, and the drummers were very, very uh, a popular part of it. So I did get a lot of um, contacts. Um, a lot of people contacted me. I, I, I refused to do any of the, the newspaper um, interviews because the way that they'd sort of given us negativity before the show. Um, but um, so the only thing that I did do is I did a, a two or three radio stations in the UK um, that wanted to talk about it. And that was pretty much it. I was just had to come back in and uh, and work. And I, I'm over, I'm, I was pretty much over it straight away. I mean, it was quite an incredible thing to be involved in. And then I watched the opening of the Paralympics. I don't know if that was shown in, in, in the US, but I, show, I saw that on um, Wednesday night. And I've got to be honest, I was re- it was it was quite emotional watching it because I knew what was going on in the control room. So when you watched it, I was thinking, oh, now I miss it. That that was. Um, you know, because I'm not obviously we're never going to get that again. You know, I'm never going to get an opportunity to to be able to teach and lead a thousand drummers at the opening ceremony of an Olympics in London. Um, it was a special moment, and um, so so yeah, I think um, when I think about it, yes, uh, you know, I'm still on a high from it. Um, but it, you know, we just had to get on, and I just had to get on, and, and I had other things to work out. Well, from our, our our perspective, it was it was simply amazing. It was it was phenomenal, and uh, it made even more so by people who play the drums and play people who um, do showcases, etc., um, and performances. The the uh, it was just simply simply amazing. And and to your credit, you did you did a phenomenal job. So, uh, well, I. From you, I really appreciate that. It's nice to know from... I mean, I'd just like to stress at the end of that that for me, what was incredible about that was they were volunteers. They weren't professional drummers or professional... They were volunteers that gave up their time and a lot of hard work and to produce something like that with volunteers, that that was the bit that I think was really special. Do you keep in touch? Are you going to keep in touch with any of, of them in the future? Or you well, obviously they set some... up Facebook pages. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So, yes, um, I, I hear from them all. Um, I'm, I'm going to try and... I mean, I'm never going to be able to get a thousand drummers together and go out and do something with them all, but we are... Um, there's a big show in the UK called the London Drum Show, um, which happens in about four or five weeks' time, which I co-sponsor. Um, and we're going to do a workshop because I think a lot of drummers want to know how we did it, and uh, we're going to invite some of the drummers along. But I have heard in the last sort of probably in the last six or seven hours that a lot of the a lot of the volunteers have heard about it and all want to turn up. So I'm not wow. I'll have to keep you posted on that because I'm not too sure what's going to actually happen. But um, oh, I'd, I'd but, I mean, it's, it, you know what? It, it's it's life changing for a lot of those volunteers. Absolutely, a lot of them have come out of it. Yeah. Made some really good friends, um, and they are just people that you know just went along, did an audition. It just shows for me. It just shows that um, you know, and it, it's going back to your very early question about you know the community of drumming. It just shows that 
what you can do. And, um, you know, you didn't need to be the best drummers. You needed to be um, enthusiastic. You needed to work as a team. It was a big drum choir, if you like. And it just shows what the people on the street, when, when small people, if you like, get together, what we can achieve. This is KRCB-FM, Windsor, Santa Rosa.
Sir Davis Mislansky is trying to hatch one last grand scheme. We have one big deal to close. The accountant from Enon, Oklahoma. But the IRS is about to cash a reality check. Just fight the IRS guy hand-to-hand if you have to, from room to room like a bench. Mislansky Zelensky by John Robin Bates, starring Nathan Lane, next time on L.A. Theatre Works. L.A. Theatre Works here on KRCB. This Saturday, the 15th, it's eight minutes after 11. You're listening to Percussion Discussion with Jim Laveroni. And tonight we are featuring a pre-recorded interview with Mike Dolbear, who is responsible for training, auditioning, and coordinating the 1,000 drummers for the 2012 Olympics in London. Very, very interesting man. So we're going to continue with the interview. And I encourage you to, if you have a computer near you, to get online, unless you're listening to KRCB online, then you might not be able to do it. But to get online and go to Mike Dolbear, D-O-L-B-E-A-R, 
com and check out this website. It is truly phenomenal. So Mike's going to continue talking about the website and some other things. We're going to go back to the website just to, just for a second. Um, okay. You have information about, uh, and you mentioned this prior, Young Drummer, uh, competi- Young Drummer of the Year competition. Yes. Can you tell, tell yes. us a little bit about that? Okay, well, again, it was something that I wanted to do 10 years ago. The music industry's changed, certainly in the UK, as it has, I'm sure, in, in the US. You know, you haven't got the gigs and the, the shows anymore like you used to. So um, I felt that the younger generation in the UK, the younger drummers, didn't have anything to go towards. And I also felt that we were getting, the younger kids were getting a bad press. You know, I think in general, all around the world, young people get a bit of a bad press now, you know, um, and I just thought that we got some really talented youngsters in all genres around the world. Um, so with the UK, I decided to run this competition. I don't like the term competition because I had to have a winner, but that was the... You know, and what we did was it was um, uh, young people under the age of 16 could send in a video of themselves playing the drums for two minutes, and I would get it judged by a group of drummers. Um, some American friends used to come and judge it, and... And it was over a four-month process, and basically we ended up with ten finalists who would perform uh, live in front of an audience, uh, in front of judges, um, and that's now been going on for... Well, the tenth year was last year, uh, and it's great now that a lot of our drummers now have gone on and uh, people that have been part of it have gone on and become successful drummers, one's out with One Direction... Uh, we've got one out of the Gorilla Sound System. Um, and so they've gone on and they've done really well. Um, and like I said, it was never about a winner. It was about trying to show... A, it gave these young drummers direction. We get about 500 entries now each year. I mean, we're just about to open. 1st of October is the start of uh, the 2013 competition. So... They will send in their videos. Like I said, we will take it down to a final 40. Um, I get a group of drummers, drumming friends, come around to my house, sit and drink tea and coffee and watch 40 videos, and we take it down to a final 10. And then the final 10 is performed um, in in central um, England. Um, They come along and they play to a live audience. I, I have a band there, so they have to play a couple of tracks, and they have to play a solo. And the judges over the years have just been great. I mean, I've had um, Nick Mason from Pink Floyd's come up, um, uh, Neil, P- uh, sorry, Ian Pace from um, Pink Floyd, Bill Bruford. So you know, and again, they shows the community. They all come out. They all do it free of charge, um, and just come and judge for these young drummers. And the nice thing about it for me is that those ten finalists, who are as far as I'm concerned, are the winners. They've then got this network of of ability with these drum judges that are judging for them that they can contact, talk to, if they need a little bit of advice. You know, if if you're coming up in the world and you need some advice, it'd be great to be able to sit down with Nick Mason from Pink Floyd uh, from um, Pink Floyd and talk to him about, you know, the what they're expecting. So so that's what the young drummer is all about. It's about sixteen year olds and under. Um and I'm I'm really proud of, of, of that event. The only thing I don't like is I don't like to have a winner because obviously just because you've won Young Drummer doesn't necessarily mean you're going to um, walk into uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. 
Um, right. But what it does do is it gives the drummers exposure. The particular young drummer um, that's won it this year, um, I'm about to do a, a clinic a tour in the UK with um, Aaron Spears, who's the drummer for Usher. Um, and the winner of last year's Young Drummer of the Year, Callum, he will support our, um, Aaron Spears and spend the 10 days out on the road with us. He will also perform at the London Drum Show um, and he'll perform at various events. Um, so it gives them some exposure. Excellent. Uh, one of the frequently asked questions on your website talks about sponsoring events. What events have you sponsored in the past? Um, are you talking about as in what I personally have sponsored? Uh, or, um, yeah, what you've sponsored in the past. Okay. Well, I, I sponsored the London Drum Show. Um, so the London Drum Show is uh, one of my events that's been going now. They wanted to do a drum show in the UK. Uh, so that's been going for about eight years now. Um, Young Drum of the Year, obviously, is an event that we've talked about. I try to put on at least one uh, clinic tour each year, um, and I normally bring over American artists, to, to, and I tour them around the UK. We take them into venues, um, and we do a show, um, and that's always uh, very popular. Um, I've also done various... I did a, a run a course in the UK called The Ultimate Drum Experience, which was a, a five-day residential drum course. And again, we bring over you know, top American drummers, um, Steve Smith, Thomas Lane, um, Jojo Mayer, and they've come over and it gives people the opportunity to study with them for a week. So that's um, a few things that I've done. I've also got involved in um, local events. Um, I also, I, I, I am quite heavily involved with a, um, a charity here, uh, Teenage Cancer Trust, um, which is for children who have cancer under the age of 16. In the UK, we don't have... Um, we, I mean, this is, I know, obviously, this is something you don't have in America anyway, but in the UK, we have um, uh, the NHS. So children that are dying or are ill with cancer um, can go into hospitals, but they have um, cancer wards. So some of these children, or, or young people, if you like, they could be 15 years old, they can go onto a cancer ward with fellow children of their own age and they can all deal with these issues, and obviously sometimes it, it's um, terminal, um, in their own facilities. Well, not all the hospitals have got this, so the Teenage Cancer Trust try to provide that service. And I got involved with doing, uh, helping them out, and I started running marathons. Um, and the first year I did it was, the reason I got a symbol that Nick Mason gave me um, that he'd used on uh, the Wall album, um, he'd signed it, there was a letter of um, authentication, and I said that I'd run a marathon, and everybody that sponsored me could get a ticket so they could win this prize. So we raised a lot of money for that, and then this year we've done it again, well, I've done it again, um, and this time Travis Barker from Blink-182 um, presented me with a symbol that they used, or he used on the new album they just finished recording. Um, so that way it got a lot of people interested because they wanted to win this symbol, but the, uh, the charity obviously um, raised a lot of money. The hardest bit was I had to actually run the 26 miles, which I think I'm getting <laughs> a bit old for that now. Um, but um, so I try to get involved in things like that as well. Your uh, your website news and reviews it covers drums, percussion, drum camps, clinics, product review websites. Have you ever come across another website as detailed as yours. It's amazing. I mean, as a drummer, I look at that, and there's so many 
avenues that you can take, forums and everything. And, and you talk about Thomas Lang's drum camp and you talk about just things that are going on. Have you ever seen a more detailed website than yours about drumming and percussion? Well, thank you very much for start. Um, I think the thing about me as a person is that I'm, uh, I'm very passionate about what I do, but I'm also aware that if you need to do something, if something needs to be done, you've got to, get up. You've got to be the one that gets off your backside and does it. Um, so I look at my website and I look at it and I go, there's a lot wrong with it and I need to do this and I need to do that. Um, I, I, um, I'm very friendly with Vic Firth, the uh, Boston Symphony Orchestra percussionist for 50 years and obviously now runs the uh, stick company. And, I, and one of the things that Vic always used to say to me, which I, it's, it was always, I don't really want to know what's good about my my product, I want to know what's wrong with my product so I can work on it. And, and that's exactly what I'm looking for. So I'm always looking for other things. So I think, yes, there is other websites out there. There's some great websites out there. I think a lot of people have probably maybe, they've come onto this in the last four or five years when while the industry's changed. I think the biggest secret that I've always had on, on MikeDolber.com is I've not done it for any financial gain. Um... MikeDolber.com is done for the community of the drum industry. And I'm lucky that I've got industry that will advertise, for example, on the site. But that advertisement goes back into the site. So that means that I'm never held to any advertiser or anybody telling me, right, you need to, we want to do this or we want to do that because I don't have to do that. Um, so my simple thing on that website has always been there's got to be an educational message there's got to, it's got to be about the community of the drum industry. Um, so, although it's a lovely compliment, and I totally appreciate what you said, I always look at it and go, well, it's, I need to do this, or I need to do that. Um, you know, the industry, as we know, um, is changing all the time. You know, uh, young people are, they don't want to read anymore, for example. They want to, now they just want to look at a video. So the site is now becoming, it's getting a lot more videos, contents on that site. Because um, you know we do we do the show out in California every year, the NAM show, uh, where I put up probably about 130 product videos every year. So I bring a team of five people out to the show, um, and we walk around for four or five days, or they walk around for four or five days with videos, and they video new products. So I'm constantly looking for something new, and you know at the moment I've still got the buzz that I want to move it forward. Um, I think, to be honest, I look at the site and, and, and feel that when I mean, we're about to do a, a, a re-change to it, um, I think the site's comfortable for people. Drummers like, they can get on it, look at something and get somewhere quickly without having to have lots of, lots of um, pages to look through. I mean, there's 85,000 pages on that website. Um, I don't think there's many drummers left in the world that we haven't interviewed. Um, um, but I think that's the other thing about that site as well, that when we interview drummers, I mean, a lot of those drummers that I've interviewed have become friends of mine. Um, and they're really good because I, you know, they know that I don't want to come along and talk about what product they use. They know that I want to talk about, you know, what it's like to be out on tour, what it's like to be away from your family for, for six months or a year, what it's like to be the drummer in, in, back in Madonna and you're the one that's at the back and, and what that experience is like and how you got to that level. Exactly. So that hopefully people can, you know, 90, 95% of the drummers in the world out there who are not going to be in that stage, 
can maybe relive that and go, oh, actually, you know what, my playing on Saturday night with my friends, actually, when it comes to it, isn't a million miles away from what you're doing, except I haven't got to sit on an aeroplane for seven hours to get to that stage. Or um, So I try to do that on the site. So... Um, um, it's it's a growing process. I think it'll always be growing. And luckily, I've got a great team around me. I constantly sit down and we go, right, okay, now what are we going to do? Right, this is what we need to do now. And um, and I'm pretty good at listening to people and letting them say, no, that's not going to work. We need to do this. Um, so so um, I don't know if there's many websites out there the same as that, but I still feel that I see other sites and go, I want my site to look like that.
What's on the horizon for you, either personally or with the website? I know you've talked about some of the things that you've done, the marathon you're going to do and the, the other competition with the Thousand Drummers. Is there anything else on the horizon special for you uh, that is, um, uh, that's in the, the works? I uh, think the next thing that I haven't done before that's going to come out is the app. Um, I felt that um, after writing the book that I needed to follow it up and, and again, technology's moved on, so... Um, the app is definitely something I haven't done before. I sat down with the company um, and got some unique and um, great things to do with the app. So that's new to me. Um, we talked about the drum show. We talked about the clinic tour. Um, and then I'm back out in California, obviously, um, in, in January for the uh, music show, for the NAM show. Um, and again, uh, we're going to be covering the NAM show slightly different to what we've done before. Um, I won't give away too much 
regarding that because obviously uh, just in case any of any of the everyone else has my ideas um, but that's normal that's a, a really good I mean when we're doing the NAM show our readership goes up to around 40,000 visitors people a day looking at the show while the show's on um, so what we do is we go around we video um, new products we put it live up that day and so anybody that can't get to the music show can actually sit at home in Australia or in wherever you are and look and go, wow, oh, that's just come out today. That looks really good. Um, so um, and so we've got some, I've got a few more ideas regarding that. And then uh, the Young Drum of the Year final again um, will be in uh, February. Um, so that at the moment is, um, that, that's, that's what's going on. Well, I'd, I'd say your plate was pretty full, and uh, and I hope to make your acquaintance in person at the NAM show. I hope to come down there and uh, and uh, meet you personally, and uh, and shake your hand, and uh, thank you for all you've done for the drumming community and uh, the drumming world, and thank you for your website and all your uh, insight. So uh, I hope to meet you at the NAM show, and uh, and uh, say hello to you, Mike. Well, we definitely need to make that happen. Um... I definitely want to meet you because, like I said, you are also doing, like I said, a, a radio station. I, I wish we had one of those in the UK that was just dedicated to drums and percussion. So, uh, so good on you and uh, well done. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Mike, and uh, good luck to you. And uh, stay busy. I know you will. And stay well. Stay healthy. And, uh, and keep that drumming going for us. Thank you so All much right. for taking the time to talk to us here on KRCB-FM. Thank you very much. Look after yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. station 
Election season is here again, including contested city council races in Santa Rosa, Healdsburg, Sebastopol, Cloverdale, Sonoma, Katani, and Petaluma. KRCB will talk briefly with each of these candidates. You can hear those interviews as we broadcast them weekdays at 7.40 a.m. and 6.45 p.m. They're also being archived online at the KRCB election page, krcb.org slash news. Be an informed voter. Registration remains open through October 22nd. And make sure you stay online with KRCB or at 91.1 or 90.9. We give you all kinds of options to stay tuned for the election and the election results and so that you'll stay informed and have a better idea when you do go out to vote. It's about uh, 13, 14 minutes left in the show. And uh, before I give my sign-off at uh, 12 o'clock, obviously, I want to talk about some of the things on the website that you'll find on MikeDolbear.com. We talked about the forums. We talked about the frequently asked questions. Uh, Some of these songs that I've been playing, actually all of the songs are drummers that are listed as very famous drummers in the U.K., that uh, Mike has interviewed himself. He's a great interviewer, by the way, so you ought to check out the video, uh, videotapes, the video archives on his website uh, so you get a look at, um, at what a great interviewer he really is and how he gets to the meat of the matter with some of these drummers. If you're interested in drumming at all or any kind of music, this is a uh, fabulous, fabulous website. So we're going to play a couple of songs um, I probably won't have room for all of them that I have on my playlist here, but you just heard Ginger Baker, obviously. We're going to, we heard from Keith Moon earlier. Um, We're going to hear a little bit uh, about uh, Nigel Glocker, who earned his first taste of success with singer Toya Wilcox in the early 80s. However, he was soon to reach new heights, standing in for one Pete Gill, who had suffered an injury to his hand. This gave Nigel the drum stool, one of the biggest and most pioneering British metal bands to date, Saxon. Having left some sometime later, he now resides back where he belongs with the rest of the guys from Saxon touring heavily and playing to packed out audiences around the world. So we'll see if we can fit Saxon in. We also heard uh, Bobby Elliott was one of the true drumming innovators to come out of the Britpop revolution in the 1980s. His jazz-influenced style set new standards For others to follow, the popular Holly's drummer is still going strong today, still a member of the group that outscored even uh, some guys called the Beatles for the amount of hits they had during the 1960s, still recording and touring and still setting those high standards. So I'm going to play a couple of tunes before my uh, before my sign off and I'll be back in just a couple of minutes after we hear some more great music that is listed on MikeDolbear.com.
All right, Saxon on KRCB-FM. And uh, I think that'll just about wrap up the show. We're going to give our sign-off and play our ending song because I do have a couple of things to say. I hope that you enjoyed the interview with Mike Dolbear as much as I enjoyed taping it. And speaking with Mike, my heartfelt thanks to him, not only for the interview, but for his talent and dedication to bringing the drumming spectacle of the Olympics to the world. Mike, if you're listening out there, we'll be in touch by email, and a CD of the show will be on its way to you. My thanks also to Elizabeth Lang, who paved the way for this interview, and also to Thomas Lang for introducing me to Elizabeth. It obviously takes a drumming village. My next show will be the second week of October. Uh, Mary Carroll will be sitting in for me at the end of this particular month, and my thanks to her for that. If you'd like to contact me, I'm on Facebook under my own name, Jim Laveroni, with a link to Percussion Discussion on the left-hand side of my face page. And I can also be reached at the email here at the station, jlaveroni, all lowercase, at krcb.org. And as I sign off, I want to thank you all for listening to Percussion Discussion. I've checked my Facebook page, have about uh, seven or eight more people interested in the show, and that's always, uh, that's always a good sign, so it sounds like we're doing something right. So if you have any comments or suggestions for future shows, please let me know. And as I sign off, remember, if you have something important you want to say, you're never going to find a superior way. You've got to say it with percussion. End of discussion. Stay on the sunny side of the street. See you in October and take care of yourself. Good night. Well, it's all.
Public Media, KRCB-FM, Windsor, Santa Rosa. On air and online at krcb.org. You can find us at 91.1 and 90.9. Catch us on Comcast channels 961 and 202. Democracy Now! follows at 12 midnight. 